This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. One of the cruelest ironies of climate change is that countries that contributed the least to the problem are feeling some of the worst effects. Take the tiny, low-lying island nation of the Bahamas. Not a major emitter, but it's bearing the brunt of rising sea levels, extreme weather, and hotter temperatures. And those are major concerns for our next guest, Philip Davis, who's Prime Minister of the Bahamas. Now, he's in Chicago this week to discuss how countries, large and small, can team up to get climate change in check. And he says if the international community truly comes together, now island nations like his will have a brighter future. Prime Minister Davis joins us now. Welcome to Reset. I'm happy to be with you. Also with us is Reset sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. She serves as the director of Loyola University Chicago's Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. Hey, Karen. Hey, Sasha. Prime Minister, I'll, I'll start with you. You are a globally recognized voice on this very topic. You've addressed the UN. You led a Caribbean delegation to the COP27 climate summit in Egypt last year. And now you've come to Chicago. So tell us, what's the purpose of your visit here? It was a, a visit that's been planned for quite a while and uh, just to come and rekindle and relink uh, Chicago with the Bahamas. We had quite a quite a history of association for many years that seemed to have just um, dropped off the map. And I'm here hopefully to rekindle and reignite that link. Well, your visit overall, it, it coincides with the UN climate report that came out Friday, and it shows that there's a, quote, rapidly narrowing window of time that nations have to reduce emissions. How is that sitting with you, Prime Minister? But that's not sitting too well with me, um, because for quite some time, um, we have been recognizing that the industrialized world and what I call the the big oil companies don't appear to take uh, this issue seriously. Um, you would note that that more than seven hundred million seven trillion dollars in fossil fuel subsidies were uh, meted out in 2022. That says something. Um, it doesn't speak to to the mitigation that we've all been crying for to decarbonize our our space and to and to lessen carbon footprints. And so and so over the last several years, instead of mitigating and adapting, we've been adding, as I say in the Bahamas, fuel to the fire. Optimism is going out the window. Yeah. Karen, your thoughts. You know, building on what the Prime Minister was saying, the the report really does put a very stark picture forward for us. The 2022 is actually a year of record emissions. So as we're looking at these trends, um, we see some that are heading in a very challenging direction. The, I think the data they included was that the nations of the world have shaved about 1% off of their projected greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. So it's, it is shaving off of the projections, but we're still seeing rises. At the same time, there are some things to look at uh, that suggest what's possible. And that's one of the important things about this report is it frames out what pathways forward might exist and how to get there. So we do see that many of the developed nations have peaked in emissions. We see things like the Inflation Reduction Act being passed as the largest piece of climate legislation in the U.S. We see growth globally in renewables and EVs, but it's still in the backdrop, as the prime minister was saying, of emissions are still at record levels uh, and the trends are not where we need them to be to stay at that aspiration of a 1.5 degree warming. Mm -hmm. So as we know, Prime Minister, climate change isn't just a thing of the future. 
it's it's now it's happening now so so fill us in what effect is climate change having on the bahamas right now for now it's been i mean the hangover from example the four at least four um, hurricanes that i had of category four and category five over the last eight years that's quite it's put quite mm-hmm. a dent in my debt sustainability 40% of our my country's debt could be directly linked to the recovery and restoration from those devastating hurricanes, and which means that we have less resources to 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 engage in mitigation, to engage in an adaptation. And when we raise, raise the issue of loss and damage for liabilities to the industrialized world, they um, for quite a while they were resisting it. Um, at COP28, uh, COP26, 27 last year, we were able through our efforts to to have that discussion and have them create another fund. But here again, we have this issue of commitment and pledges. In 2015, they pledged $100 billion a year for the for climate uh, funding for mitigation adaptation for small island developing states and other countries affected. But what has been paid? Nothing. Again, we, the, the coming out of COP, Shamil uh, Sheikh, they've created another fund for loss and damage, and there's a commitment again for another hundred billion dollars. But has been paid mm-hmm. nothing. And so, as I said to them on numerous occasions, where I have the opportunity, right? You know, I'm pledge fatigue. I'm commitment fatigue. And, and it's time for action. Can you really drive this home for us, Prime Minister? I mean, how do policies from countries like the U.S. impact what happens in the Bahamas and the Caribbean at large? Well, it, it, it has it has an impact. I mean, I often I often say that when the when the United States sneezes, we catch the cold. <laughs> we catch the cold. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, so their policies have a direct impact on us. One of the things that I've noted um, and I continue now to press is that um, when you talk about policies, you know, policies change with political change. And what I discovered when I was at my first COP attendance in November of 2021, when I was asked a question by the media in England, you know, why has there been no progress? on the subject matter and was it was it political will i was inclined to believe that was political mm-hmm. but at that conference i heard president biden and he spoke about his recommitment to the paris accord and it occurred to me then that truly the enemy of progress in this space is not political will but rather political change and until mm-hmm. we find a mechanism where change, political change, will not impede or reverse progress, we're going to have a long way to go to find the answer to save our planet. Karen, your thoughts? These are incredibly interlinked topics. And as we think about the changes in the climate that uh, the prime minister is experiencing in the Bahamas, we have changes in the climate that we're experiencing here in Chicago. And it's the broad picture of rising emissions that is accelerating the changes that we're seeing. So we we see those extreme heat events uh, as an example of what we experience in Chicago. We're seeing 
more storm events, uh, the percentage of, uh, of days where we get two, more, two or more inches of rain in one storm are increasing across the state, actually. And so we too, as we think about what we're experiencing here, see it in the connections to the broader questions. And behind the scenes is that trend of carbon emissions that keeps going up. Um, but it's interesting to think about the, the prime minister's timing. And, and it was just as the U.S. was essentially re-entering the Paris Accord. We sit as the only nation that was in it, left, but now the United States is, is back in it. And so it, it's important to think about now what's possible. Mm -hmm. What are the trends that can be built upon, like the large climate legislation that we have in place now? Um, trends that we see, need to see accelerating or else we're going to have another report that will tell us that yet again, we're off track for 1.5 degrees. So, Prime Minister, you're, you're leading innovations at home and in the Caribbean region, right? Talk about how you're making sure that nature is strong and, and protecting the islands of the Bahamas. Uh, I want to start with mangroves, for instance, which are, you know, trees in coastal swamps, you know, preventing storm surges during the hurricanes. Seventy percent got destroyed in that horrific Hurricane Dorian you had back in 2019. You've been restoring them, though. Talk about that. Yeah, well, we a couple of things. We are um, restoring the mangroves. That's quite a, an aggressive effort to to do so, but it takes it takes time um, for them to to grow back and have the the impact and effect that it ought to. But we are assiduously working towards that. We are also um, um, having what I call um, restoring some of our biodiversity that has been lost. That is dealing with our coral um, challenges that came about because of the warming of the seas that produces some uh, some diseases, destroying our corals, and they too uh, uh, eco, um, the ecosystem of the corals also um, is assist in sequestration. So we're doing that. Um, in addition, there are other initiatives that we're taking, for example, uh, the government is moving towards uh, uh, EVs, electric vehicles, for all of their transportation fleets, and that is an ongoing exercise. But again, for small island developing states like ours, uh, our ability to adapt and mitigate is very costly. And when my, when I when forty percent of my debt uh, has been related to recovery from ruin of hurricane it needs very little resources for me to be able to to um, do all the necessary things that we need to do. And so we're also calling upon the international community and the multilateral lending agencies and institutions to review their financial architecture that, that will allow a country like my own and some other similarly in my similar position to access um, funding concessionary loans and or grants to to assist us in our efforts because mm -hmm. it's a slow grind i have to still allow i still have to uh, provide all of the other services that's needed by my country uh, government services but at the same time it's always being interrupted by these frequent events that's associated to climate mm -hmm. change yeah one of the things that often happens after hurricanes and other natural disasters is losing power, right? We know stronger and more frequent hurricanes are expected. 
So how are you adding resilience to the energy system as you, you build out that infrastructure? Uh, uh, well, we, um, we, we are in, in trying to wean off uh, fossil fuel. Right now, our electricity is being generated by fossil fuel. We're looking at a transitional, uh, a cleaner energy for the time being to transition into a full renewables. So we're going to have a mix that we're working on of, of gas and solars. One of my islands is now completely solarized, called Ragged Island. Um, there's another private island where, with, with a community that's solarized, called Chubkey. And on the major island of New Providence, we are in the process of very quickly um, putting in at least uh, 120 megs of solar. Hopefully, we'll be on, be, that will be tied into either a grid or be independently operated within the next nine months. Oh, okay. Those so so local are, local residents are seeing these benefits? Uh, well, they will be seeing it. They see what we're doing and they are with us, but they also understand that it's costly. So I, we are beating, the, beating our drums to get some, uh, some public-private partnerships to assist us in this. And um, it has been, it's, it's moving where we are in discussions now to have, to have those actualized and consummated. Now, Prime Minister, let's get to your visit here in, in Chicago. You were in conversation with the Shedd Aquarium and ComEd about these very topics that we've been discussing. What would you say your message was for these people? We need to ensure that the powers that be the policymakers um, act and stop talking. And um, yeah, we have to find a mechanism for action and a mechanism to, to cause people to shut up and act. The time is, you know, let's get real, the time is, time is now, let's write the check. Well, I'll ask my final question to you both. I mean, what are you hoping for from this year's World Climate Conference? COP28 in the United Arab Emirates. You first, Prime Minister. <laughs> well, I'm hoping to advance the argument on loss and damage. Also hoping by that time you'll have the advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice and Law of the Sea um, Division that speaks to the liability that um, in, uh, major industrialized countries have and, and see how we could advance that. And hopefully we'll get some action on what has been pledged um, by the industrialized countries over the years. Karen. Absolutely, the, the, the conversation is, is, is still too much a conversation as opposed to an action on loss and damage. And obviously the Prime Minister is leading a lot of that work globally there. Really need to see that alignment on both on the facts of where we stand and then to set that stage for increased ambition and then action to reduce emissions. Uh, but there's too much out there right now to ignore the fact that the weather has already changed and continues to change. So it has to be those two hands together. What do we do about the changes that have already been unleashed and how do we prevent more going forward? We've been speaking with Philip Davis, the Prime Minister of the Bahamas, and Karen Weigert, the Director of the Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility at Loyola University, Chicago. Also, Reset's Sustainability Contributor. Thank you both so much. Thank you. It's been my pleasure.